Hey, it's Yona Bud. I've been working with young people and adults for more than 40 years, helping them to live their best life. Now on this podcast, I do it for you too. That's why we call it At Your Best. So I can help you become your best self each week. So let's explore stories from all across Canada and celebrate how strong we really are, even when we feel at our weakest. It's a new year, but no new TV shows just yet. When will we get them all back? And it's been an unseasonably warm and dry winter across most of Canada. Does this mean the end of winter activities? And speaking of dry, are you taking part in dry January this year? We'll dive into why it can be a good idea, especially if you care about your sleep. We also touch on why you need to increase mental health support for employees, even in 2024. Finally, we speak with a man who's also a long-term opioid user on the injunction on Bill 34 in BC and why this can end up saving lives. So sit back, relax, and get ready to listen to ways we can help make you be at your best. I don't know how you feel, but I'm a... I, I, for, okay, let's go backwards. You watch a lot of television. I, I, like, I know you watch a lot, a lot of television, right? So here you are, have a hard day at work, come home, kick off your shoes, maybe grab a little snack, something to drink, something to eat, hopefully, you know, something healthy, not something bad for you, and, you know, want to get down and watch your favorite show. Like, catch up on your favorite, you know, your favorite uh, sitcom, your favorite uh, drama show, your favorite, you know, cop show, whatever. Like, I got a bunch of them. And I got to tell you that it's a big part of my therapy. Big part of my self-care is the fact that, you know, I, I lose myself, if you will, in television. All kinds of television, all kinds of stuff. I particularly like a lot of action, but, you know, I'm willing to, to, to go with anything. But all my shows, all my cop shows, all my 911, you know, What's Your Emergency, all those shows that I love to watch because I just bury myself in them for an hour or two and catch my breath while I kick back and relax a little bit, maybe snuggle my dog. Makes sense to you? Are you listening to me, man? Are you there with me? Here's what I want you to tell me. I want you to call in and tell me, are you sick and tired of things like, writer's strikes like when are we going to get our regular television back when are we going to get normal tv back because i'll tell you it increases my anxiety i sit down with my wife and we decide what we're going to watch and for me because i have issues with my with add and ocd and so on anxiety issues so i like to know what i'm going to watch and i prefer to know ahead of time so i can prepare and get my head around being excited for it or whatever right and i like to binge watch i'm not the kind of guy that'll watch a show and then wait for next week to hear what's going to happen. I, I can't stand it. Makes me crazy. Not literally, but makes it difficult for me to kind of cope when I'm thinking about what's going to happen with so-and-so on such-and-such a show. Make you feel the same? Are you feeling like you're left to let down? Like even television now? It's bad enough that we've gone through what we've gone through and things cost a fortune and just trying to put food on the table can be like overwhelmingly next to impossible these days. Not sure how to cope. You want to come home and watch your favorite whatever. I mean, we're going back. We're going back. I'm watching stuff, you know, seasonal stuff back, you know, 10, 15 years ago to try to find something that's got five or six or so seasons. My wife will say to me, she'll say, you know, maybe we should watch this. And the first thing I'll say to her is how many seasons. And there's some great stuff out there with one season. And then they leave you hang like a new show called The Terminal List. I don't know if you ever saw it. The Terminal List. It's actually a really interesting story, but I got one more one more episode left of an eight-episode uh, first season, and it's going to leave me hang. I know it's going to leave me hang. It's going to make me crazy between now and the time they, they reshoot it again. 
Am I the only one? Is are you are you just feeling a little difficult? Feeling like they're robbing us from our TV too? It's not just enough, right? It's just not enough because now that the strike is over, all my friends, including my buddy uh, Connor, it's been a while. How you doing, Connor? He's listening in. Uh, he's in Toronto here. Nice young man. You know, he's helping me keep track of what's out there and what's not out there. Uh, and you know, he says it's going to be a while yet before we're going to see stuff. And I, I would agree. You know, late night shows, sitcoms, all that stuff. Like, where is it? And why did they take it away? I know, I know. It's all about money, right? It's always about money. You know, we get ripped off from opportunities because it's always about money. There's not enough money to keep people happy. Anyway, that's my rant. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm a little, I'm, I'm, I'm frankly a little no- annoyed that I'm losing stuff like, you know, Stranger Things. I really love great show. Uh, a lot of the great, you know, soap operas that my, my wife likes to watch. There's some British shows out there that, that we that we like to watch. You know, it's slowly getting back to normal. But when you find things like your net regular everyday TV, not as it should be, right? Kind of, I don't know about you, but it certainly throws me off. You know what else throws me off? Yeah, planning trips that don't come together. We're going to talk about that in the next segment, next uh, episode, next uh, episode, the next segment. So stick with me. You know what kids think? Let me tell you about something. Uh, CBC Kids News um, asked KN Insiders to choose, ask the kids to choose their top stories of 2023. So let me give you an idea what the kids thought 2023, the top stories in their lives, what they were thinking about. You know, when they weren't paying attention to TV and they weren't doing what they're normally doing, right? They weren't able to get out and do some of the stuff that they might normally do because not everything is open. For example, try to find a skating rink. Anyway, we're going to get there because that's a whole different rant. But, you know, the way the kids see the world is so important to how, as we adults, how we move forward, right? You know, I have... Lots of young people that I deal with from time to time in terms of my practice, my coaching practice and so on. Uh, some some wonderful young, you know, teenagers in between 18 and 20. And you know what? They 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 all have a lot of they all have a lot of uh, optimism going forward. But they have a lot of questions about how things got so smashed up, you know, how things got really, you know, messed up as they have. Right. And, you know, and, and whatever's on TV that is coming out now, I mean, I got to tell you, it's not really very great stuff. It's not, you know, we turned off TV for a while because it was all about the pandemic, the pandemic, the pandemic. And you can like, you could, you know, overwhelming amount of input. So you could just throw up. But the kids, the kids had a different thought. So they thought that the NFL player, uh, DeMar Hamlin, when his heart stopped um, and he uh, officially returned to the game back in October 1st. But on January 2nd last year, Buffalo Bills player collapsed during a football game. That, they thought that was one of the, one of the big stories coming. Uh, another was a YouTube, uh, YouTuber, Mr. Beast. He paid for 1,000 eye surgeries. Posted on January 28th, last, uh, beginning of 2023 um, of last year. He announced that he paid for 1,000 people to get eye surgery so they could see again. The video started to trend. People celebrated. Others accused him of using blind people to get money. Come on. Nice guy. Thousand thousand people are going to get better eyesight because of him. Great story. The Chinese, suspected Chinese satellite balloon story that flew over the U.S. Kids like that. They thought that was an interesting story. Of course, the Taylor Swift mania over the heiress tickets. That's a you know pretty insane thing, what was happening with tickets available for that concert and you know how they were next to unavailable completely. You couldn't buy them. People were freaking out. Kids are freaking out. They thought that Trump being charged formally with a crime was interesting. They thought that the choice of a Canadian to join NASA was a great story. 
Super Mario Brothers on the big screen. How can you not love that, right? And uh, they're worried about things like the AI tricks that they're playing on Drake and The weekend. Uh, fans are concerned about the, the AI that some of the musicians are having to deal with in terms of their images. And by the way, the one of the top stories for them is that COVID-19 was officially over. Those were the high, highlighted stories for kids going into uh, 2024. It's December. Now it's January, beginning of January here in Ontario. Right now, unless you're in Alberta, there's not much snow going on. We had a little snowfall here in Ontario uh, here today. But, you know, this time of year, I would already have gone skating three or four times with my wife or with my grandkids or just maybe by myself just to get a little something going on. Did you make a plan for a trip this year? Maybe it didn't work out because you got there and there's no snow. How about I got to an ice rink and there's no ice? It was just slush and water. So unless you want to skate indoors, right? Like, that's all fun. Unless you want to skate indoors, you're basically sitting in a situation where, you know, you're, you're, you're at a point where, you know, you, you can't do a lot of winter things. Now, a lot of people like it because the weather's nice, right? Yeah. So anyway, but I, the way I figure it is, you got to have some patience. You got to have, I think we're going to get some, I think we're going to get some, uh, some snow here pretty soon. Let's see what Catherine, my friend Catherine in BC says. Hey, Catherine, how are you? Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. How was you had a good week? I hope. I did. I had to call in and say Happy New Year to everybody. I appreciate that. On the New Year there. There you go. Yeah. We were there. We were there Saturday night. But listen, um, you plan it. Excuse me. A little frog in my throat. Are you? Were you planning to get out in the snow or out in some cold at all? And found that there really isn't much of a winter going on. No, I, I, I'm not one for for skiing. I never was. I, I don't want to break a leg or anything, you know, because well, I need my legs, you know. How about going out and just making a snowman? <laughs> Catherine, have an amazing 2024. Oh. We'll talk. To, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for oh, calling. You know As always. Hate? What do you hate? I hate going to get a pizza and there's there's no pineapple. <laughs> we'll talk okay. about it another time. Catherine, have a, great, have a great weekend. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I want to get back to this, though, the, the whole concept of, of going on vacation and uh, or planning a vacation. You know, sometimes we plan trips. You go someplace and it rains all the time. You know, you go to Miami, let's say, and if you're fortunate to do that and it rains all the time. But, you know, if you're just if you're if you're more like a kind of a homebody like me and kind of like to go skating, you know, we thought about maybe going skating in Ottawa, the Rideau, Rideau River. Um, you can't because that's not frozen over. You know, many of the outdoor rinks that my wife and I like to go to because they're more trails uh, throughout uh, parts of Ontario. They're trails, so they have to rely on the natural temperature in order for ice to freeze. Um, outdoor parks, little parks close to where we are, where we go skating, uh, none of those are frozen over. So what's going on here? What, what do you think's happening? 877-399-9898. And I, I'm trying to figure out What's happening? Like, you know, I, I say to my wife, you know, like it's remarkably warm for this winter time. I'm all set to go with winter clothes and I haven't taken very many of them out. Like, honestly, I'm ready to rumble. I'm ready to go out in, the, in some, some really drastic weather. How about you? Or just go out and enjoy what Canada has to offer during the winter. Well, the reality is that 
The weather is not what it used to be. It, it, we, we all know that, right? And we're finding things like rain, heavy rains and flooding and, you know, places where there's still green lawns. You know, this has a huge effect on um, on stuff that's being grown, right? Fruits, vegetables, and so on. So how do you deal with it? Okay, so you know what's going on. I'm not telling you something you don't know, right? We're having this conversation. I'm not telling you something you don't know. The weather is not frightful. It's not even delightful. We're not finding the kind of weather that we would normally plan for for a December, January, winter break kind of time, right? At least I'm not. I don't know how you feel about it. So how, what does that do? Does that, does that create for any kind of anxiety for you? Any fear that maybe the world is changing and the temperature, the global warming, all that stuff is really a real thing? Well, of course, we know it's a real thing. Come on. But how does it affect you? Do you know how to go left instead of right? What does that mean? Let me tell you what that means. I have a patient, really good guy. Really good guy. He's doing very well with his sobriety. We've been working together for a couple of months. But every time he'd come out of his work, when he leave his work, if he goes right, he goes to, goes to his drug dealer's house. His drug dealer's just down the street from work if he goes right. But if he goes left on his way home and goes a little longer to get home but doesn't go past his drug dealer's house, likelihood of him using and buying and connecting is much less. So now we have a term, him and I, go left. So I'm going to share that with all of you. You need to go left. If you're making a decision and going right is leading you to a bad spot, like you're getting all uncomfortable, anxious, nervous, depressed, concerned, that you're not able to go out and enjoy the weather like you might normally have, for example. And, you you know, you can't really, like most of us, we can't really afford to take trips outside of the country. We have to kind of just do the best we can with, you know, having some type of vacation time or, or alone time with our family, something a little closer to home perhaps, right? And when, you know, and you got all the winter stuff, so we're kind of in between. You can't do winter, can't do fall, kind of in between, you know, you know, like, first of all, for me, like, what do you wear, right? My big anxiety is what do I wear? What am I going to wear today? What's going to keep me warm enough, but not so warm? Or what's going to keep me cool enough, but not so cool? What's going to keep my feet dry, but not so dry that when I go inside somewhere, my feet are going to sweat? Like, I mean, right? Imagine living in my skin. How's it feel for you? What's this thing feel like for you? 877-399-9898. You know, are you finding that our winters aren't what they used to be? Are you also finding that, you know, the things that are available to us in, in Canada, the stuff that we used to do outdoors for fun, like make a snowman, go tobogganing, we're just not able to do right now because the weather's not letting us? Right? Imagine. You got all, you got a brand new, you got brand new uh, skis for, for Christmas. Where are you going to go? Right now, the place to go is Alberta. They got some Lake Louise and around there. They got some great snow. Lots of their hills are open. So there, you can see that there's a bunch that aren't open. But if you're able to afford to go to places like Lake Louise and, and, uh, and Whistler, they're gorgeous places to be for the winter. If you live in that area, it's a little easier. You can just drive there. If you have to fly there and all that, it can get a bit costly. But wow, what a place to spend a couple of uh, days or a week uh, on the ski slopes if you can. But for most of us in Canada, just got to learn how to adapt. Have you made one of the decisions for January or into 2024 saying to yourself, you know what, maybe I'm not going to drink so much this year. Maybe I'm going to quit smoking, cigarettes, dope, whatever. 
Maybe I'm not going to take as many sleeping pills if that's your thing. Maybe I'm not going to eat as much if that's your thing. Maybe I'm not going to gamble as much if that's your thing. Maybe I won't be so spend so much time gaming online if that's your thing. Maybe I won't do get involved in so many text and sexting type conversation if that's your thing. Like you're looking at stuff in your life and the list goes on, right? Looking at stuff in your life. We look at stuff in our lives that we want to change and alter, right? We all want to make changes. I get up every morning, pretty much look at myself in the mirror as I'm getting ready to go, you know what, Yona, you need to lose some weight. And I constantly say to myself, okay, no bread today. And then the morning is good. Lunchtime, I have a salad and soup or something. I don't have any bread. But I'll tell you, by 6 o'clock, I end up having a sandwich or at least an open face something. I, I, I don't know. Some days I try not to. I, I just have very limited uh, willpower when it comes to those types of things. But here's the thing. When we set ourselves up for those types of situations where we say, okay, I'm not drinking in January. And then you're into the first week and it's like you're out with your buddies or you're on a date or whatever. You're at home. Your buddy says to you, your partner says to you, whoever says to you, you know what? A bottle of wine would be lovely, don't you think? And you say, what the hell? What's one glass? It's not a big deal. What's one glass? And then you have the one glass and then you beat yourself up and say, wow, I I gave in too soon. I'm so weak. I'm so this. I'm so that. Nonsense. It's all a bunch of nonsense because here's how it should work. I'm giving you an idea of how it could and should work. You make a decision that this month you're not going to drink as much. Okay. I'm not saying don't drink at all. I'm saying not drink as much. What does that mean? Here's how we do it. We replace, we rejoice, and we reflect. What does that mean? Well, you replace alcohol with something else. On the days you feel like drinking, but you're not feeling like drinking because you're not going to drink right now, replace it with something else. Could be a candy bar. Could be your favorite bag of chips. Could be something you make for dinner. Could be your favorite fast food. May not be the greatest thing for you in terms of great health. I'm not suggesting that, you know, you go from from not drinking and replace that with something that's, you know, like only good, healthy food. But replace it with something that's that's a treat. Replace what you used to have with something that's a treat. And when you do that and you choose not to drink today, one day at a time, right? If you choose not to drink today, you had a smart, you had a Mars bar instead or you had an ice cream or a you know a blizzard or something, you know, had something that you'd never normally have, you wouldn't normally have, but you can have it now because you're replacing the alcohol with something different. You need to rejoice, celebrate that day, that one day of sobriety, that one day of not eating, drinking, or whatever it is you're doing. Fill in the blanks. got to celebrate those days. You don't wait till the end of January to celebrate it. You celebrate January the 6th, and then you celebrate January the 7th, and then you celebrate January the 8th. You don't have to do it openly. You can do it just with yourself. You can give yourself a, a star. Some people get little stars like they used to give kids in, in, in grade school. You know, and every, every day that you stay sober, you put a star on the calendar. And you rejoice. You have a little celebration. Get yourself a cupcake with a candle and blow out the candles. Do whatever you need to do to give yourself a positive reinforcement for making such changes. Here's the next piece. The replace, rejoice, reflect, right? The three R's used to think they were reading, writing, arithmetic, but none of those really start with R except reading. The reflection. How much better do I feel now since I've made these changes? Let's just continue on the on the, on the the alcohol, being, um, the, the line of, of, of drinking alcohol, of, of being a, a drinker. 
I haven't had a single person in my career that once sober for more than a week or two can actually tell me that their life isn't in some way better now that they're not drinking. Not that their anxiety isn't through the roof. Not that their depression still doesn't kick in big time. Not that they're still having a hard time with self-esteem and all the other things, reasons why people get driven to make the mistakes or, or make bad choices or do things for them that aren't good. I don't want to be judgy, but aren't good. So you need to now reflect on those changes and think about how much better you feel or not. I don't know anybody who gave up alcohol and said to me, I feel worse now than when I was drinking. Long term, I'm talking about. I'm talking beyond the withdrawal period. What do you think? 877-399-9898. You want to give something up? Here's how you do it. One little piece at a time and celebrate it as a success. Right? One day at a time. I'm not going to drink today. One day. Celebrate it. Rejoice. Reflect on how much better a day it was and do it again tomorrow. And what happens is after a week or two of this type of reflection and rejoicing of celebration around the replacement of of something that may not be good for you or something that's different, again, may not be great for you, but certainly may not be as bad for you as alcohol can certainly be. And we now know more than a couple of drinks a week can be a big problem, can be a big problem, right? Yeah, because we know it can affect affect your heart, it can affect all your organs, affect digestion, affects everything, right? So um, I'm not saying two drinks a week is the number. I I think that's probably light. But, you know, 75% of the people who commit to dry January exceed from abstaining, actually abstaining alcohol for the month. People who took part in dry January were still drinking considerably less following, you know, than they were on the next month and the next month. And the number of days that they felt they, that, that which they drank fell from, let's say, four times a week to maybe two times a week. The first Friday of the month is a popular slip-up day, and most people try to get past that. Right? One little bit at a time. One step at a time. One foot forward. One toe in the water. Pick something that works for you. But the deal is itty-bitty steps, inch by inch. Replace, rejoice, reflect. Really simple. I'm going to replace what I don't, what I don't want to use anymore or do anymore because it's not good for me. I want to rejoice on those days that I don't do it daily. Hear me carefully. Daily. If you wake up tomorrow morning and you're not drinking and, you know, that's the third day of you not drinking, that's a day to celebrate. And every day you can celebrate a little something, a little celebration, a little piece of chocolate, a candy, uh, you know, do something, buy yourself something. You got to definitely replace what you used to do with something new. You can't just let it go all together. People that stop drinking and don't replace the desire with something else sit in the misery of being a dry a dry drunk, as they call it, a dry alcoholic. Rejoicing is a big part of it. And then the reflecting, your ability to reflect on how much better you now feel since making these changes. It stuff works. And it's not daunting because you don't have to do all of it all at once. No, you don't. A little bit at a time. And by the way, you don't have to share your 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 uh, your resolutions with everybody. You know, one of the last things you want to do is tell everybody, okay, I've quit drinking. Now you got 17 people, if you have that many friends and family members, who are all waiting for you to slip up and have that one drink. Keep it to yourself. Maybe share it with one person who might do it with you. Finding a sobriety partner would be great. For example, the person you live with. You know, if you live in a home and you've got a partner who likes to have a drink or two with you once in a while, how about you both go sober? 
you know, you both do different things. You both, you know, one of the things people can do instead of drinking is they start cooking little things for themselves, baking, making, making things together to fill that time, to fill the, the time when they come home from work and normally crack open a bottle or pour themselves something or light up a joint. They do something else to fill that space. Replace, rejoice, reflect. That's the way to get through dry January or any other period of time where you decide to make some changes. And it doesn't have to be January. It could be February. It could be December. It can be June. But when it's time to make changes, we try to make them slowly. We try to celebrate the, the changes that we make, knowing that we're doing well. And we reflect on how much better our lives are after making those changes. Because one would assume, right, we're making these changes to make our lives better. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. That's what you would think. Anyway, in terms of getting better, and I wish you all well. I'd love to hear how you're doing. Give me a call anytime during the show and uh, uh, for the next few weeks. Let me know how you're doing. I'm happy to happy to help. You know what we're what we're talking about right now is a is a serious conversation, um, and you know we're we're really I don't know I'm not sure we're work, we're moving in the right direction but it's 2024 workers are still struggling to get mental health accommodations at work it's still a big deal the pandemic had huge ripple effects I remember when the pandemic first broke and I was on air and on a different share on a different station. And I remember saying, you know, we're not, we, we don't even see when kids were being locked down and you weren't able to go to work or socialize. We couldn't get out and see our friends and family and the people that, you know, we really rely on on a daily basis to try to make us feel better, you know. And that, as that was taken away and we weren't, we weren't able to have that ability, we weren't able to do those things. I kept saying to everybody on air, off the air, you're going to see the ripple effect of mental health like a tsunami of mental health impact that's going to be for years, decades to come, I think. And we're for sure seeing it right now because the, you know, we're, the, the number of people that go to work and try to find a balance between work and, 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 and home life, you know, as much as companies talk about it and they profess to, you know, that they're going to do, uh, do this and make changes. I, I coach for a few companies and, you know, uh, we spend the fact that I'm a coach and a therapist inside a co couple of corporations um, should be an indication that those corporations are keen on providing the care for their, their employees because I'm there, I'm available, right? And they don't have to phone a certain phone number or connect with uh, a certain kind of provider or application or some kind of app that's uh, online to provide that kind of care. So, you know, some companies are trying to do what they can, but not nearly, not nearly enough. You know, why are workers still struggling to get the help they need? Imagine having to go to work on your worst day and you're not able to talk to your boss about it because the, the, the conversation about I'm feeling really depressed today and can't come to work is not something that a lot of employers can get their head around, even though we're in 2024 and everyone knows that there is this real surge of unsettled mental health amongst Canadians, amongst people in the world, but certainly amongst Canadians, right? You know, the coaching role that I have within the company that I, the companies that I work for, you know, it, they, the, the, the staff, the employees have access to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week if necessary. And the companies pay for my time. So I see them. I bill for the time. Companies pay for my time and off we go. So not every mental health policy fits everybody. Right. It's not always, you know, a solution for one isn't a solution for everyone else. But there needs to be a respectful process in place that's responsive to the needs of the worker that's in front of you. And unfortunately, a lot of managers, another big part of my job, another big part of my coaching practice is helping managers and senior executives 
learn how to deal with the unsettled mental health with amongst their employees, not turning them into not turning them into therapists, but turning their organizations into a place that's open and non-judgmental and free of any kind of repercussion for sharing that you're not feeling so well. Why certain com- certain employers fail to accommodate because they just don't know how. They don't understand how to deal with certain levels of disability. It's one thing to get a medical do- a doctor to send to, to provide a letter. And by the way, if you're feeling down and depressed and you can't go to work and you get to you have a GP or a doctor, get your doctor to write you a letter and tell them that you need some time off work just to get yourself settled and use that time to get help. Don't just stay away from work. Get the time you need to get the help that you need. That's really what this is about, right? It's really about getting the help that we need and being able to talk to people about it, certainly in our work, and not have to worry about the repercussions of saying, I'm having a bad day. You know, I, I know somebody who, who recently um, had an issue with their job. Um, a parent had passed away. They were grieving. Uh, they have other mental health issues as well. They were grieving and, and weren't able to work. And their employer gave them two days of grief, grief time. So the doctor had to provide a letter that said that they were continually still con- you know, continuing to have depression issues and sleep issues and so on and so forth. Not that you have to tell your boss. You can just say, I need a medical leave. You don't even have to tell them these days for the most part. I'm not an employment expert. You want to talk to somebody who is if you're not sure. But from what I know, based on my experience, you don't have to tell your employer what's wrong with you. Just tell them you need a mental health day or you need a, a, you need a, a health day off, right, for medical reasons. It can be so difficult to talk to employers about this kind of stuff. But you have to understand that mental health issues are the fastest growing disability in Canada, according to StatsCan. It's, it's, the issues are only growing and we continue to find and struggle and try to find solutions for everyone. And, and we're not going to. We're just not going to. But it has to start at the workplace. We have to start in a, pla- in a, in a place of understanding. And that managers understand how to support someone who has a mental health issue. And that they have to understand that people living with mental health issues, whatever they are, truly struggle and can't just, you know, suck it up buttercup. And I know many people that go to work for fear of losing their job who shouldn't be there because they're not in the right frame of mind. Patients of mine who I've told numerous times, you need to take a week off work while you're doing this. For example, I have a couple of people in my practice right now that are going through withdrawal from from opioids. It's probably a two-week, three-week withdrawal program. They're doing it at home with the care of their doctor, with the care of my my support team, therapists. And, you know, a couple of them said to me, I, I, need, I still need to go to work. And I said, no, no, you need to take a week or two off of work because you're not going to be able to go to work while you're dealing with withdrawal because you really need to be somewhere that's, you know, in a place where you're somewhat, you know, if, if medication is one way to, to get through withdrawal, that you're gonna, you might be medicated. And if you're not medicated, you're certainly going to need to be in a place where you can deal with the withdrawal symptoms without fear of any necessary repercussions from your employer. But again, like the financial discussion that we had earlier on in the show, we're talking about sharing financial transparency with your loved ones or someone that you can talk to to get advice so that you're not carrying around the burden of how you feel about your financial situation. It's the same way with your mental health, even more so. Important that you're able to talk to somebody about it. And it would be great if you had a relationship at work where you're able to have that discussion and feel good about it. Because I'm sure for the most part, you're an exceptional employee. Or maybe you're a, maybe you're a, a business owner and having a hard time going to work 
support your staff. Hopefully you have a manager or somebody can step in. If not, you find your most senior person in the company and take them aside and say, listen, I'm not well. I'm not feeling well. I don't really want to talk about it right now, but I need you to step in and cover this, this, or that when you can. Some people are stuck. They're single, single store operators or single business operators. They don't have anybody to rely on. Get some help. Talk to some people. Get some friends to help you out. You don't have to do this alone. Talking to people about your mental health is a good thing. Not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Talking to your employer about your the kind of, of, of um, accommodations you need or, or, your, or your, if you're going to school, you're talking to professors or teachers or people, that, depending on the level that you're at in terms of your educational level, where you are right now, you can get all kinds of accommodations if you're not feeling your best. You're not feeling at your best. There are accommodations for folks who are in that position. Ask for it. Share your feelings. Don't hide. As long as you hide, you're never going to get the help that you need. And by the way, it's illegal to fire somebody because of mental health issues. Talk to an employee, an employment expert. You'll get free advice. There's lots of them out there that'll be more than happy to, to offer you free advice if you have a question or two. You can also call the labor board in whatever province that you're in, and they'll guide you and help you. But employee employers, if you're out there listening, you got to do a better job if you want to keep staff, you want to attract staff. And more importantly, you want to have a profitable year. Everyone needs to be firing on all cylinders. And if they can't, we need to give them a chance to catch their breath, clean themselves up, and come back to work. Uh, I got to tell you, we interview people who are real. Sometimes they say things that might be inappropriate. They may not use the right terms. They might be, not be politically correct. But we talk to people who are living real lives uh, uh, generally at their best. We profile them at their best. Sometimes not so much. But that's why we have that uh, disclaimer. If you're concerned about talking about real things or hearing about real things and it's going to make you feel kind of uncomfortable, then this is probably not the show for you. Anyway, now that we've got that out of the way, the B.C. Supreme Court pauses a legislation banning drug consumption in public spaces, citing irreparable harm. Okay, so understand something. Here, start, stay, start with me. You got to stick with me here. People who are addicted to drugs, people who are addicted to alcohol, people who have substance abuse issues or other forms of at-risk behaviors generally aren't in that position by choice. I know. You can say that it's easy to stop drinking, stop smoking weed, stop using pills. Not so easy. If you've ever tried, you'll know that it's not so easy, especially if the reason for using is to make your, your lousy day better. I'm talking about folks that are like me that are living with mental health issues and they're not able to cope and, and manage them the way uh, you'd like to think that you could, perhaps if you were in that position. Or perhaps it's someone who was in a terrible accident and, an in, and was injured such that they ended up on pain medication, could never get off, and then suddenly their doctor's not around, they're not giving them anymore, and no one's helping them get off the medication or even told them from the beginning that once you start this medication, you might become addicted or it might be habit forming. Or someone who is just having such a hard time, so down on their luck that they, they just seem to want to hide behind drugs or alcohol. These aren't monsters. These are neighbors. These are people like you and me, no matter where they are, whether it's Hastings or downtown Toronto or downtown Manitoba, downtown Winnipeg or anywhere else in the country. These are not monsters. These are not people waiting for you to walk by so they can rob you. Yes, yeah, some, sure. But for the most part, not. 
driving these kinds of people into indoor spaces out away from public places to use their drugs and to do the things they do is is sending them off in some cases for death. These are normal people, just like you and me. They just have some real struggles, some real difficult situations to cope with and deal with. And this is how they cope. They don't want to hurt you. They don't want to hurt your children. They don't want to make your life difficult. They just want to make their lives easier. And when you walk by a situation like that and you feel like you don't want to help them, you don't want to put any money in their can or their or their box or whatever, or a handout because you just don't want to feed their drug addiction, that's not your choice. These are our friends. These are our, our, our neighbors. These are the people in our lives that, you know, years ago were in a different place. We're bankers and lawyers and teachers and everything in between. That's who these people are. They're not monsters. They're not people who are out to hurt you. I have a guest with me this evening. His name is Garth Mullins. He is the uh, podcast host for Crackdown. It's a podcast, and he's a member of the Vancouver area network of drug users. Garth, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, Yona. Thanks very much for having me. So, um, first of all, a lot of respect, a lot of kudos out to you and your team for the kind of work you do. I had a little bit of a listen in on the podcast. I thought it was superb. Uh, Garth, I definitely, uh, you know, propose that you're someone at their best, even under difficult circumstances. How did you get here? Give me a kind of the, a, a, a kind of a swift version, if you were on kind of how you got to this place where you're now advocating for other uh, people who have opioid issues and you yourself, I understand uh, have uh, struggles with, uh, with drugs and such along the way here. Um, Give me an idea how you ended up here, and then we can get to some of the other stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I've been an opioid user my whole adult life. You know, um, late teens, I started using heroin. Uh, for the years before that, I was using everything else. But once I found heroin, I realized it it really sort of dealt with all the trauma and depression and, uh, I don't know, kind of, to be honest, like suicidal feelings I think I was having around then. I just... I felt right. You know, it just made me feel normal, made me feel balanced and okay. And, and, you know, probably if not for heroin, I don't know if I would still be here. And, uh, I, you know, I kept using heroin and, um, you know, I've overdosed, I've gone to jail and all that. Um, but also I was able to find, um, methadone, which is another opioid, you know, it's the same essential molecule as, as heroin. And uh, the difference is it's legal and it's uh, prescribed. You know, it's basically what they call safe supply. You know, it's a yeah, exactly. it's a legal prescribed drug, and I take that every day. And I so I don't have to make myself go broke or go to jail or maybe overdose trying to score uh, drugs off the street. And um, you know, about ten years ago, um, I started noticing a lot of overdoses picking up here in Vancouver. And I'd lived through that in the 90s. We had an overdose crisis then too. And I realized I had to commit a lot of my activism to trying to save my community, my friends, the people I'd come up with, and myself, you know, because I fall off the wagon sometimes too. Uh, So I uh, wanted to do what I could to turn this around. So I've been working with the Vancouver Area Network of Drug Users trying to fight for harm reduction, decriminalization, safe supply, that sort of thing. Uh, because I really do believe uh, that that's what's going to help. That's what's going to turn things around. You know, I tried to go cold turkey. I tried to do 
abstinence only. I tried to quit. I tried 12 step. I spent years trying that. It it didn't work out for me. But what I did notice through all of that is everybody spent a long time trying and everybody would relapse and come back. And for some people it worked and that was great. But if you got something that's going to kill you this afternoon, you need something that's going to help this afternoon. And to me, that's safe supply. My guest this evening, his name is Garth Mullins. He and I think alike. He's one of the good guys. He's the host of the podcast Crackdown and a member of Vancouver Area Network of drug users, Garth, welcome back. Um, hey, you, know, you, 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 painted, you painted your story, you know, when we before we went to break. Um, I kind of left you on the on, on the line a little bit. Where where in your in your um, in, in your journey has therapy played a role, if ever or at all? And where do you think that fits in the world of harm reduction? Kind of a two parter well, there for you. I mean, I got to say, uh, before I was able to get any kind of um, good treatment like methadone or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I used outside sometimes like I used in public, which was, you know, uh, against, against the law anywhere in Canada, really against a lot of the law in BC, there's this decriminalization uh, experiment that we're trying here, but the government sort of stepped backwards against it very quickly. Uh, and, and the reason I did this uh, is because I knew that um you know, the drugs I was using were potentially lethal. I, I really couldn't kick. I just couldn't quit. And so I hoped that if I overdosed that someone would find me and maybe yeah. call 911. I know a lot of people use outside for that reason. Now, when I used outside, of course, I didn't use anywhere close to children because uh, I was brought up um, by my parents, but also by the street culture that I came up in to respect kids and elders. In fact, yeah. on the... East Hastings, uh, you know, where a lot of drug users are in Vancouver, we call six up to each other to say when police are around, watch your six. But we also say kids on the block. That means if a family or children are coming through, show some respect, you know, maybe just stop dealing or stop any sort of sketchy thing you're doing until they've passed through. And that's because we we care about that sort of thing. Now, you know, when I was using outside there, I made sure to dispose of my sharps, like my syringes correctly, so no one would encounter them. But I know that other people who are using outside and who do now often do it because they have no other place to go because right. there's not enough safe injection sites across British Columbia. There's many jurisdictions which there aren't any at all, and there's a housing crisis, right? So uh, this law that – um you know, the court has suggested that we take a pause on this law would have basically pushed everyone into the back alleys, into places where they're more vulnerable, more likely to die, more likely not to be found. And we think that there's better solutions to all of this than just throwing more police at the problem, which is what the law does. You know, and we've seen drug prohibition for a very long time and just keeping on throwing police at it doesn't get any results. So you and I, just so this, so so we're clear, you and I are on the same on the same page entirely. I believe that uh, harm reduction and safe access is critical. Uh, but the question I did ask you, and, and I don't know if you're avoiding it just for a reason or you just wanted to move on, but um, I'm, I'm curious as where therapy fits in the equation uh, for you and for others that are in a harm reduction mindset. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, methadone is you know is helping you get through. It's a good chemical, uh, a good chemical uh, solution. Um, did you get, have you gotten any skills along? the way other skills and strategies maybe through any form of uh, of addiction counseling or anything or not available or how do you feel about that 
I mean, I, I'm lucky to have a union job with benefits, so uh, I was able to access uh, PTSD yeah. counseling. I yeah, found out that I had PTSD, and so I got this thing called EMDR, which was very helpful. Yep. But I'll yep. tell you, having the chemical solution first was critical yep. because if I was dope sick, I would be in no place to be able to listen to people talk at me for an hour or have a conversation or whatever. It's just like you got to settle that one first. And also, if you're going to overdose and die, dead people don't get therapy, right? So it's like it has to – I think it's yeah. important, and I want people yeah. to get the same access yeah. to the same yeah, services yeah. that I did. Yeah. But the first thing is we got to keep people alive. And yeah. uh, you know, I know that was true for my life. I think that's going to be true for most people's life. You know, you got to be breathing to make use of that any therapy. But also we talk a lot in Canada about mental health and the importance of it. But it's not covered under Health Canada, right? It's not yeah, no part kidding, of right? Universal no healthcare, right? So it's quite. They'll, co they'll cover your. That, they'll cover your methadone. Yeah. They'll cover your methadone near your Suboxone for sure, right? Yes, some of it. Well, pe well pe they people are on. People are on, on like ODSP and different kinds of of uh, mental mm -hmm. health. <clears throat> excuse mm -hmm. me, uh, supports. I know in Ontario for sure. Like most of the clinics, people coming into the clinics for the most part have government's uh, government support for their drink on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't have that there. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I. The difficulty is, and I don't want to sing the praises of methadone too loudly because I got from heroin to methadone. Now heroin's pretty much disappearing in Canada, being yeah, replaced no by much stronger stuff: fentanyl, benzo dope, trank dope. And so, yeah. using methadone to substitute for those much stronger things, I think you have to upgrade the substitute as well you know yeah. so i think you're going to need a stronger thing and that's why we're advocating for uh, a more a wider range of prescribed alternatives for this sort of stuff so that people can stand a chance of it actually working i think i'd like to uh, and, and i agree with you i think you have to be in the right frame of mind before you can get help um you know bill 34 unfairly paints uh users people that are having substance abuse issues as monsters instead of people that actually have problems and you and i both know that's not the not the case but you do have a story about uh, a child that got lost and wandered into the east hastings area and uh, what happened there with the what that's did those right. monsters what did those monsters do with the missing child <laughs> <laughs> this was a few years ago, right? And some of the tourist hotspots in Vancouver are very close to the downtown east side, which is sort of the epicenter yeah. of the drug scene and all that. Yeah. And uh, so a kid, I guess, got lost from their family and was wandering around. I think it was the 100 block of East Hastings. And people started to figure this out. And very quickly, everyone who's out on the street there, because people live in very small rooms, SROs, so the street is the living room around there. Everybody put their heads together and started trying to find the family and reunite the kid with the family. So it was a real community effort, and they were reunited, and this was a few years ago. It is, It was a news story, so people can Google it or whatever. I, I can't remember the year, but mm -hmm. I mean it's just an example of the kind of community care that people take. I th you know, I think another thing is that there are a lot of kids in the neighborhood, and – um, you know, traffic is always a worry. And so people at the Vancouver Area Network of Drug Users fought for a decrease to 30 kilometers per hour along Hastings Street so that it was a safer place for everybody, including children. You know, so I have seen the community members around here who are always um, rejected as monsters showing a lot of care for kids and, and, and trying to take a lot of um, safe measures like that. And so I think that drug users, if, if people are worried about the safety of children in the city, drug users can be part of the solution instead of just being always uh, scapegoated as the problem, as the monster 
um, you know, or or the police are just sent in to deal with it. You know, that that just haven't hasn't shown to be any kind of um, real solution. And I point out my own uh, use of drugs in public by way of saying that public drug use in the city of Vancouver has been around forever. Really and until and unless people have safer places to use and that we have a uh, safer drugs, you're just going to see it, you know, and, and you can't just shove people to the back alleys or to the jails. It just doesn't work. You know what, Garth, let me tell you something, man. You've got a, you got a place on my show anytime you want to share something. So uh, we'll, uh, it's a national show, so it does get across Canada. Um, I really uh, respect what you're doing, my friend. And uh, I wish you and the, the whole community there, um, I, I wish you all well, and I hope that this uh, law does not get passed. I think pushing people, like you say, into the back alleys, into into you know, to abandoned buildings and so on, is really quote unquote a kiss of death without the hug that goes with it. And uh, I really hope that you and your fo- and the folks that you support, uh, that we all support, should all support, uh, are uh, end up well. And uh, appreciate you being on the show with me and being so honest. And let's make sure we stay in touch, man. You're uh, you're one of the guys I'd like to keep to keep knowing and. Have you back on here to share somewhere along the way here. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jonah. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for the compassion and empathy you're showing to this issue, too. I really appreciate it. And brothers from another mother, right? Uh-huh. And more Johnny brothers Cash. That was great. <laughs> yeah, we'll stick to it. We'll see if we can do that for you. Okay, we come back. <laughs> we got some more work to do. Yeah, Garth Mullins. you got to listen to his uh, podcast, Crackdown. It's an excellent, uh, excellent uh, show. He does an excellent job. A uh, real first-class guy. So pay attention to what's going on out there, and uh, let's be a little more compassionate. <laughs> 